0: This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show.
1: Pass through the middle by Gabe Velarde. Ends up on Tyler Myers' stick. He's on the back and scores! The Tyler Myers revenge game. Scheifele skates onto it and gains the offensive zone entry. Big hit by Juleson on Scheifele, but it leaves a lane open for Gabe Bellardi and Kyle Connor to hook up for a go-ahead goal. And it's Bellardi
0: with his second of the night putting the Jets in front. With instant reaction from the players and coaches.
1: Here comes Kyle Connor,
0: Plays it to himself. Gets it for Shifley.
1: And it's another one. Kyle Connor playing playmaker all night long.
0: And he's got another assist. Shifley's got a goal. It's 4 two Jets. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
2: Canucks lose a tough one, 4-2 against the Winnipeg Jets at Rogers Arena. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five orange. Get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, or toll-free, 188-275-0650. It's Satya Shaw with Bick Nazar. Gonna bring in Randy Bjannin to the conversation in a moment here on SportsNet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. It was quite the performance overall, five on five, I thought, from the Canucks, but Special teams, they were let down in a big way. A couple mistakes in the third period being over aggressive. But I'm seeing a lot of reaction already from Canucks fans uh, talking about how poor they thought uh, the team played tonight and they didn't like that they didn't beat an opponent that's a strong opponent. I felt like they were right there toe-to-toe. I thought they were the better team, 5-on-5. The issue, however, however, to me was special teams letting them down.
3: Yeah, heading into that third period you know, 5-on-5 five five game, Sat, that was the Canucks looked like the stronger team, they looked like the, more, the team that was more likely to win this game, but a couple of things happened in that third period, one team who was going 0-for-21 on the power play heading into this game scored a couple of power play goals, the Vancouver Canucks, who are now 0-for-19 on the power play over the last seven games, weren't able to get that goal, and you know, if anything, in the third period, there was that power play that took away confidence from the team and the Jets, you know, came out swinging after killing off that penalty, and sometimes
4: moments like that can change a game. Yeah, the, the early penalty and, and and the Velarde goal kind of swings it. And I'll have my thoughts on the officiating later, but you got to be able to overcome those moments, right? you got to make those kills. And special teams was the thing that uh, leaves them high and dry because through the first 40 minutes, five on five, it was in the Canucks' hands, certainly. And th- those PK goals you give up and it, the ineffectiveness on the power play is why we're sitting here 4-2.
2: Yeah, and, you know, we can talk about the officiating as well. I know fans weren't with it. It was pretty – I mean, we're going to look at it and say, hey, some went against the Canucks. But it wasn't consistent in how the calls were made. But was it consistently bad for both teams in yeah, terms of uh, how it was called?
4: I, I, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying the, the result is because of the officiating. Yeah. It was bad in both directions. Yeah, that's fair. But – it, it has such an impact on the game. You see the emotion levels slowly start to rise. You get these scrums after certain moments, and it's it's taking notes, taking numbers. All right, I got to go get this guy. I got to go get this guy. And you just see the the emotion raised throughout the course of the game, and which is necessary sometimes to, to bring the drama. But you, you got to let the players dictate it. And when you have these bad calls and the missed calls both ways, you just see players going out of their way now to to take advantage. Like, well, I've got to settle it if the refs not going to settle yeah. it. And to me, like midway through that second period, it was such a good game. It was so tightly contested, but there's penalties in, in every which direction. I thought there was, should have been one on you know, There's there's one on Garland in the third period that I thought could have been called. But even on the other side, like the Lowry one to me is the one that stands out. For me, that's a penalty. I know some people are going to be texting and disagreeing. I think that's a penalty for that hit on Oman. And then it, it starts the fight, and it's everything kind of snowballs from there after that. Yeah, and a couple
3: of ones, you know, you know, Tyler Myers getting two minutes for being tall. Essentially, uh, I'm not sure how the I Hoaglander feel about, one, right? There's there's a couple that you didn't like, and there's a couple that weren't called, right? Yeah. There was the eventually Dylan gets called on Pedersen, but the period before in the corner, away from the puck, identical play in the corner uh, that Hoaglander ends up getting that penalty call where you probably could have called it, but to your point, it was both ways. It was you know a situation where it was equally bad, and this is the thing though. You don't want calls like that in the playoffs. This had a playoff type of atmosphere to mm-hmm. it. You don't want and that quality when we're, when we're talking about March and April hockey.
4: And the players were the ones setting the tone for the atmosphere. That's the thing. It would be one thing if, if they got a bit reckless and the rest wanted to stymie it and say, hey, we have to take some. But they weren't doing that. And then you go do this game of, oh, we have to make it up. The Pionk one on Miller behind the net, that's not a penalty. Yeah, That's not a penalty. And they go out of their way to call that one. I was like, Well, we got to even it up. Do your job. Do your job, get out of the way, and in this scenario, let the players decide the game. And you, you, it was still a fantastic game, but the officials got too involved.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with about that, right? And the thing too, overall about how they played, the physical things going to get talked about a lot. I thought against a heavy opponent, the Canucks were there, matching it physically, maybe a bit over aggressive in the third period, especially. I mean, Noah Julson had had a great game early, right? He was good on the PK, he got a goal chased a hit on Shifley, creates a 2-on-1 chance going the other way, chases a hit again on the fourth goal, but also Elias Patterson and Elias Lenholm they collide, opens up all the space. Maybe a bit over-aggressive, trying to chase hits, I thought, in the third, where maybe should have probably kept contained a bit more.
3: Yeah, I felt that was a key moment, obviously. You look at the game and you look at the confidence that line is picking up, but guys, even in the first period or it was the second period, I... Um, And what was the second period where Nikita Zadorov does the exact same thing? He takes the hit on Shifley along the wall, opens up the middle of the ice for Gabe Velarde. So even though that didn't end up in a goal, there were moments where you want to set the tone physically. But if you stretch yourself too thin, you're opening up the middle of the ice. And that's one of the things that Rick Tockett, I would imagine, is going to stress in the post-game comments is, hey, we got a little too excited. We got a little, you know, too into that, making that play, making that hit. And what did you do? You allow them to carve you right down the middle of the ice. And those are the two mistakes you're talking about, right? The third one earlier on in the game, that could have cost them with that same line.
4: Yeah, the the Vellardi one that you're talking about in the second period, we referenced in the second intermission. That was the warning shot, right? Thatcher Demko bailed you out in that spot. There's a high danger. Vellardi coming downhill, gets that shot off on on Zadorov making this hit. Again, it's a really nice hit. It gets the fans energized. But is it making a play? And it opens up the space. And then what happens later on? juleson does the same thing twice, and we'll talk about the physicality. Like I, I like the initiative of, hey, we can go throw this hit, but it's Mark Shifley who's making the play. He yeah. absorbs the hit and he still makes a play. Gets it to Kyle Connor. He's the one that creates the goal mm-hmm. for Villardi. And the warning shots were there, and they stepped right back into the bear trap all over again.
3: I wonder how much of that is also Adam Lowry's hit, where that swings the game a little yeah. bit. You know, creates a, a bit of a chain reaction. And if you're the physical players on the Vancouver Canucks, you're saying, all right, we want to set the tone too. We want to bring it back our way. But you got to be careful, right? It's the time and the place. Is that the time and the place? You got to make sure that you separate man from puck if that happens and don't allow him to make a play. On three of those plays, the puck continue to move forward towards a jet stick. Well, and the other thing too, uh, I, I thought the Canucks – didn't get tonight was
2: enough from their top six. Like, mm. the top guys. I thought, you know, the Bester-JT uh, line had a couple of chances. Uh, they had, you know, one of the best chances in the first period. Suter had two chances in net front. Hellebuck made both saves off a pass from Brock Bester off the rush. JT had a couple opportunities. The pedersen Lindholm hoglander trio... They didn't really get going. I thought Pedersen really struggled tonight. I didn't quite have the pace to his game either. It was a bit of a rough one, I thought, for the top six in terms of trying to really impact
3: the game tonight. As connected as they looked against Detroit, they did look a little disjointed tonight, and you could see that they didn't have that same cohesion. Uh, for that trio, it's one of those things, and a part of that is also, you know, you're out there on the on five-on-five, on five, a couple of penalties for Niels Hoagland, whether you agree with them or not, uh, that kind of kills the flow early mm-hmm. on in this game. On the JT line... I thought the first period was strong. They didn't give up a single shot attempt against in that first period, but they fizzled as this game went on. And, you know, you do wonder about, as the game goes on, being aggressive on the forecheck. Pew Suter gets there sometimes, but sometimes you're missing that. Uh, and that's an area where it's not only that line. I think, you know, Ilya Mikheyev as well, right? His best plays today were probably in the neutral zone with a great chance. Yep. But are you able to establish the forecheck regularly enough? Haven't seen it. Sam Lafferty was put on that line late in the game. Uh, with the Niels Hoaglander, he's pretty consistent on that front, but didn't bring it uh, the same way he did in previous games. So I think your you know assessment on the top six is fair. They didn't have a good night, and they got outplayed by you know that Shifley line was the best line on on the ice by a wide margin,
4: especially on the power play. Pedersen, about four turnovers, and there's the, there's been that discussion of the the turnovers that have led to shorthanded goals during that stretch where they gave up the five or six shorthanded goals. And some of them were attributed to his turnovers, but tonight there were just moments where easy clears were generated off of Elias Patterson, either trying to do too much or not enough, and not engaged enough. And in a game where we're talking about the special teams kind of being the difference, a moment on the power play, just a, a safe play to get it to a teammate, could have been huge, and it wasn't there from. From Lee's Patterson tonight. Well, talking about the power play as
3: well, though, it felt like the only time the Canucks really had good had good chances was when they won the faceoff, right? When you have to reset. Sure, yeah. Getting those zone entries was tough against, and you know, credit to the Jets who in the new year have had a much better PK, but that also speaks to the confidence. They're not able to generate speed, they're not able to set up consistently enough. And if it was just this game where you're saying, all right, hey, the Jets played well and the Canucks have been good at it, uh, that hasn't been the case, right? This has been uh, going back about six games now. Finding that confidence in setting up through the neutral zone, getting that zone entry and setting up hasn't been there. So to me, it's more about, you know, are you are you able to establish control in the uh, attacking zone? They haven't been able to do that over the last six games, guys.
2: Yeah, the power play has really been an issue. And I thought coming into this game, we spoke about this quite a bit, that the special teams battle should be in Vancouver's favor coming into this game. The Jets, 26th ranked power play, 24th ranked PK and both those areas, they outplayed the Canucks in tonight. So that was the difference for me.
3: Yeah, and I think one of the ones that you look at, the PK has been better over the last month or so. The power play was struggling. 0-for-21 heading into this game. And the area, the bumper area, where they were able to work off down low and get those goals, um, that was something that you know the Canucks have been pretty good themselves in and around the net, protecting that area, making sure that they were getting in the ways. That didn't happen tonight. Uh, overall, though, yeah, that's a that's a special teams battle that the Canucks, you know, in my opinion, that's where they lost it tonight. You get one of those goals, you have a lot of confidence, you have some confidence. Uh that was that's what really ended up hurting them. You, you get some, you know, special teams help and maybe a power play goal and we're talking about the Canucks you know, potentially leading this game are a very different outlook. But, you know, bit that was something that I think really took their knees out.
4: Yeah, and especially considering how good they were in the first period on the PK, I thought Julesen, Lindholm, Bluger were really, really competitive in that first period, clearing a couple opportunities that... They looked like some shot attempts were going to be there. Lindome suppresses one for Kyle Connor, going to the back post that a pass doesn't get made because he makes that uh, rotation, and then Juleson kind of comes out and flashes on Monahan, and Monahan can't get a shot off, and he's got to reset, and it just stifled them. And, and he thought, "All right, this is something that's going to be consistent." And then that that Velarde goal sneaks in after the Juleson goal, and it just suddenly the the the, the, the creases started to open, and that tic-tac-toe play or bang-bang play, whatever you want to call it, to Monaghan, where we've seen it here certainly uh, in Vancouver with Bo Horvat scoring those types of goals. It just happens so quickly, short side on Demko, and then there's your special teams game. It, 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 it goes so quickly in moments, and that, that stretch there, the, the two power play goals uh, are, are certainly the edge for the Jets' Uh, th- credit to also Rick
3: Bonus. Heading into this game, he knew his second line was off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they and their first line. They'd only scored four goals in the last four games. Makes that change of swapping Ehlers and Velarde. And what happens? Those guys were clicking tonight. Credit to them for figuring out because coming back, even late in the third period, where Ian Cole gets the puck chip by him, another two on one just like that, they identified a weakness and they took advantage of it in the third period.
2: Yeah. And, you know, the Jets. Yeah, I give Shifley credit. Uh, he had, he had a really strong game. Bick and I were kind of talking about that in the third period. I, I thought,
4: yeah, Shifley and Villardi were yeah. everywhere. Yeah, and Velarde- then Kyle Carner was just like pouncing on opportunities. Yeah. R- at the right moment, right time. Just that offensive threat that senses the weakness and is like, hey, here's my opportunity to make something.
2: Oh, and that play Shifley makes on the Noah Juleson and He still mm-hmm. makes the play. Yeah. You know, there's two guys on him. Juleson smacks him, and he still makes the play, play getting the puck over. So I thought Shifley had a strong strong game, especially in the third period. And give the, give the Jets credit. You know, they held tight. They got a couple chances. They capitalized. That's kind of been their, their game this season.
3: Boys, 31 straight games where Connor Hellebuck has led three goals or less. And that's a credit to him, but also a credit to the way that they put in cruise control when they got a lead in the third period in the third period there. Uh, this is gonna be a team. you know we're talking about this uh, with Lena as well. It just seems like this team, the jets they're all of them are big. You can actually count the guys on your hand that are not maybe six foot. you know mm-hmm. generally you're you're counting the guys that are six foot four on a team and saying, all right, six foot five. Uh, they're all consistently at that eight, or at that height which makes them a very, very tough out in the playoffs. So this was a warm-up for the Vancouver Canucks. You know, it's kind of like that Boston game where you get humbled, but that's the standard, right?
4: Yeah, well, that Boston game was just so dreadful, right? There's no way you're going to look at that and say, hey, that's winning hockey. You play like this. To be fair, Boston hasn't played that well since either. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You play like this, you'll be all right. Yeah. And I, I look at this, I, I know it's not what people are going to want to hear, but I do think this is kind of a good loss and in the context of what this game was. There was a lot of really impressive elements. Do they need to make improvements? Yeah, absolutely. Do they need, need to be, be a bit more composed in those pivotal moments? Absolutely. And we, we're going to talk about, you know, team needs and all that stuff throughout the course of the post game show. You can react 650-650, but this is a, the type of game you would say a good loss and a lot of translatable parts to this game that should be effective moving forward. Well,
3: a part of it is also you control, or you're the better team, I would say, for 40 minutes five on five, and those one or two moments that kind of cost you, you got you to gotta make sure that those don't happen again. But I'm sure, I'm sure the coach will be talking about a couple of those plays.
2: Yeah, we we'll look forward to hearing the thoughts of Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 4-2 loss on home ice against the Winnipeg Jets. Randy, great stuff calling the game alongside... Dan Riccio today was in for Brendan Batchelor, whose family, or whose wife gave birth to the lovely Rory earlier today. So that's why Batch wasn't in. Big and that's deadline why I,
4: acquisition there. Huge
3: oh, yeah.
2: deadline acquisition for the Batchelors. <laughs> There's um, a new
3: Vote for Rory campaign <laughs> in Vancouver, all right? Rory Batchelor, uh, shouts to Reach as well. Did a great <laughs> job awesome, on the call. Yeah. Uh, it was fun to call a game with him. And, uh, boys, enjoy the post game show. Yeah. Uh, Thank you very much. That is
2: Randy Janet. Keep your thoughts coming in to the Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280- 0650 or toll free, one 275-0650. We have a lot of thoughts coming in on the text inbox, pick 650-650. We'll get to some of these right now. We'll get to the phone lines coming up in just a moment. Uh, This one says, could you stop making excuses for Pedersen? Uh, Pedersen's fifth in league scoring. Didn't hear, didn't you guys hear? Sorry, boys. Toughness wins cups. Not soft, regular season, cherry pickers. I, I so. feel like
4: all three of us said he had a bad game. Yeah, I mean,
2: listen, people will hear what they want to hear. Like I said, you know, uh, it is what it is. Uh, this one here says, ditch the Orca jersey and free the skate. Um, was that the issue here tonight? <laughs>
4: uh, all right. Uh, this one, still fuming over the Oman hit. Hands are uh, up to the head and bounce the head off the board. BDG picks a fight. Don't think that warranted an instigator penalty. Uh 650. 650. Uh, This one, uh, I don't feel the physical approach was a great choice. Ian and Dunbar, considering uh, Dakota Joshua was out of the lineup. We'll talk about those pivotal moments when they stepped up to make hits, opening up space for the Winnipeg Jets, but that's a text coming in. Uh, Josh and Kamloops, Demko lets in a soft one. Bad penalty for PDG. Lots of special teams battle and another big zero from the top six. That's a tough night.
2: Yeah, tough night for the top six. That was a real difference here. Uh, I thought the Canucks, again, 5-on-5 had a strong game. I mean, if you look at the scoring chances, 5-on-5, they were in the Canucks' favor, I thought, for the most game. They controlled it. In the third couple plays, obviously, breakdowns in the 2-on-1 chances proved to be very costly for the Canucks. The goals, 5-on-5, were 2-2. The difference, however, was special teams where the Winnipeg Jets had two tallies. Um, to make it a 4-2 victory over the Vancouver Canucks. Let's go to the phone board, 604-280-0650. Let's start things off. And Prince George, where we have Stephen on the line. Stephen, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts here tonight?
5: Yeah, boys, I just don't
6: know if this team's legit. I mean, we got spanked by Vegas, spanked by Boston, lose to Winnipeg. I mean, we, tonight I feel like you got to win that
5: game somehow. you got to dig deep and... Just, just find a way. I mean, just feel
4: kind of let down. Don't know how the playoffs is going to go. I want to hear your thoughts, boys.
2: Hey, thanks for the phone call, Steven. I mean, it's frustrating. I totally understand it's frustrating. It's it's just I'm not quite sure I'm at a stage where losing a game like this where I thought they, you know, for the most part played well, it being this, this big indictment that they can't win in the postseason. I just don't see it the same way. Yeah.
4: This, to me, didn't look like the Boston or Vegas games. This was totally different. They were in this game. Uh, completely. I, I the, the third period winds up being a bit of a track meet after the Velarde goal. And there was a couple more chances. Obviously, Shifley gets another goal and there's another chance thereafter. But that that Velarde goal in the third period kind of changes the complexion, kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth. But the first 40 minutes, they, they, they were fantastic. It's absolutely something that you you play like that in the playoffs, so you'll get your Ws.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I feel the same way now. Not everybody feels the same way, and we'll get to a lot of your thoughts here coming up in a moment on the text inbox. Let's continue on the phone boards. Let's go to Delta, where we have G on the line. G, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts here tonight, buddy?
6: Uh, Hello. uh, There were uh, three disappointments for me tonight. First disappointment, uh, Phil DiGiuseppe. I'm for standing up for your teammates, but there is a time and place for it, and that was not it. It was a clean hit by Lowry, and no offense to him, but it's Neil Amon. That kind of reaction should only take place if it's an illegal hit or if star players are the ones being hit. And to add insult to injury, PDG took a beating from Lowry, and they scored right away on the power play. Second disappointment, Noah Juleson. I'm very happy for the player he has developed into, and I was ecstatic when he scored the opening goal. And then he started playing like uh, pre-November Juleson. In my opinion, he has a tendency to become extremely overconfident from time to time, there were a couple games uh, earlier in the season where he would try to, you know, unleash his inner Quinn Hughes and control the play with some puck handling and either give a poor pass or give the puck away. And tonight he got overconfident with the physical play. I think he just needs to get off his high horse in these moments and just continue playing the brand of hockey, which has made him successful. And uh, third disappointment, um, you know, reach deep. They did a good job on the broadcast, but they didn't play the pa- the password game. So, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's the problem. Hey G, thanks for the phone call. Was was the lack of password the issue here for the Canucks tonight? Would well, that inspire them oh, to do a bit funny. better uh, on the PDG hit? I, I can understand because I mean I know some people said that should not not have been an instigator. Lowry drops the gloves first. He's responding to a hit. Like he's clearly going after it after the hit, and by the letter of the law, I can understand. You know why that was given. Uh, I think some people had the issue with the Lowry hit to begin with. Should that been a penalty as well? I can understand the frustration about the PDG thing. Now, I would say the Canucks players, the guys on the ice to a man, went over the PDG in the bench and, and dapped them up for sticking up mm-hmm. for a teammate. But I can understand, in that situation, is it better to pick a number or find yourself on the PK? And the Canucks ended up giving a goal on the PK as well. Sean Monahan uh, getting them the 2-1 lead at the time
4: it's one of those issues you kind of have to be consistent on either you want your guys to step up all the time and there's the guy sticking up for your teammates that pack mentality that you want to have or if it's a clean if you feel like it's a clean hit then just leave it alone but it, it's I, I feel like people jump on it when there's a goal against immediately so it's like oh you shouldn't do that if they if they get that kill we're sitting here saying look at them rally for each other they really did it and they you know those are the kills you always get because you're stepping up for the teammate so it's kind of a catch-22 spot. Uh,
2: this text here says, goalies are a part of the team. No one can overlook how Demko was terrible relative to Hellebuck. Uh, the goal on Demko I didn't like was the first goal. It was the Velarde goal yeah. on the power play. It kind of goes through him. I'm not even sure it's about being close to the post. It just kind of goes hits his chest. It kind of trickles through him. Well, I, I think love that he's, one. He's tight on the post there. Yeah.
4: I think it just hits his crest, where it, it didn't look like he got... like There's clearly space there between the post, and so now there's... Yeah, bounces off of him on a spot, maybe he wouldn't have taken it, and it goes in. The
2: two-on-one chances, (laughs) you know, whatever. That's
4: nothing. I think Myers could have played. I know Juleson steps up, but Myers kind of stops skating, and is trying to, like, bait the pass into one of the passing lanes. Meanwhile, the, the, the passing lane behind him is wide open, and so he doesn't really impact Kyle Connor's decision to shoot or pass in any which way, and he creates a an easy tap in for Villardi.
2: Yeah, uh, this one here says, uh, hard to admit the Canucks are three big players away from being good. That's Bob and Victoria. Uh once again, the Canucks were disappointing. Like your show, Brandon and Poco. Ouch. Jokes for sixty or or, or you
4: know, Brandon and Poco is good <laughs> for some jokes for sixty,
3: yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah dropping I, I, that I, I in here. I feel like that one's tongue in cheek. Uh
2: Dave from the Valley in Vancouver tonight. Dave from the Valley in Vancouver tonight says, We want Kessel. I'm not sure Kessel would have been the difference but I understand. Uh Thomas from New West. Well, I was at the game. Nucks played good for the last 10 minutes of the first and parts of the third, rest of the game, uh, we we were slop. Uh that so that was what that that text says. Um and this one here says, how many texts are you getting that they should have picked Velarde over Pedersen? That's the only one to be honest.
4: <laughs> Someone go dig up Sat's tweets.
2: Uh, I love Velarde, but, I mean, yeah. I, I mean I'm not sitting here and saying they should have taken him over Elias Pettersson. Uh Let's take one more phone call here before we hit the break. Let's go to Maple Ridge where we have Gary on the line. Gary, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts here tonight?
7: Well, so, first of all, can you hear me okay? We got yeah. you. Uh, I talked to your uh, producer, and by the way, Eddie, uh, he knows his stuff. He really does. I, um, I'm a Dakota Joshua fan. I hope he's not going to be out for too long because McKayv is not Dakota. It's as simple as that. He doesn't make the corners uh after those two uh uh that two puck handling uh uh situations where he was on goal. After that nobody saw him and Dakota Joshua makes that third line. I don't know what you guys think, but he uh, if he's out for any length of time, uh I don't know what we're going to do i'm uh that's all i can say I, i'm i saw the game I, I i wasn't that impressed with the with the officiating but that wasn't why it was that we uh we're, we're still not big enough and dakota josh who i but he's not the whole team but he is a very big part of that third line i'd like to know what your comments are thank you
2: uh thanks for the phone call uh that is gary maple ridge calling in so
4: you're not alone on the McKayev stuff, Gary. A lot of mckayev texts coming in this evening. Uh, he got an assist, and I thought he played pretty well, to be honest. I mean, he
2: set up uh, – he drove to the net on – I mean, I know people will say, well, he didn't finish it. He drove to the net, created a scoring chance. He set up Garland for a really good scoring chance, picked up an assist, made some the, good defensive plays. There's a
4: play he makes on the Juleson goal as well where he's under pressure – and along the board, sweeps that puck towards Connor Garland. Uh, you know that, that, that's a difficult play to make. And yeah, you you mentioned the the mini break he has. That's an unbelievable take by by McCabe on a pass that I think was from Tyler Myers. Yeah. And look, I, I understand he doesn't score enough on breakaways. Generating that many breakaways is a good thing. And, and yeah, he's got to bury some, but. You watch that play again, it's a really good take by Mikheyev, and then he tries setting up Garland as well on that uh, cross-crease pass where Garland, we we typically see him go to a knee and lowers his hands down the stick. If he
2: stands up on that one, does he knock it out? I don't know,
4: that's his style, that's how he does it. But uh, I thought Mikheyev played pretty good.
2: Hey, I get it. He, he's been on a rough run. He did pick up an assist here tonight. A Canucks fan is not very happy with the team losing four-two against the Winnipeg Jets. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox six fifty six fifty. We'll hit more of your comments and more of your phone calls 650 or toll free 650 As the Canucks Central post game show rolls on, presented by the number five Orange. If you can peel your eyes off the stage, they've got hockey, football, and more on the big screens, and more coming up next and the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
0: This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. J.T. Miller
1: working down the left wing. Stopped by Josh Morrissey. And the Jets pass through the middle by Gabe Bellardi Ends up on Tyler Meyer's stick. He's on the back and Scores! The Tyler Myers revenge game. He picks off the errant clearing attempt from Gabe Velarde and ties this game with 5.41 to go in the second period.
3: And some skill there from Tyler Myers. A little dipsy-doodle in the zone. Going forehand, backhand. And Velarde trying to clear the puck. Makes a backhand pass. A bad one at that. And Tyler Myers going from forehand to backhand. Ends up beating Connor Hellebuck.
2: Tyler Myers, straight out of his rookie Calder winning season in Buffalo. What a goal from Tyler Myers. Made it 2-2 at the time, and that's as close as the Canucks got unfortunately losing 4-2 on home ice against the Winnipeg Jets and this is the Canuck Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar uh, keep getting your thoughts into our text inbox 650-650, you can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free 1-888-275-0650 man, there is a lot coming in on the text inbox uh, AP and Langley says, our inability to score on the power play is finally costing us games we also got goal lead hellebuck is going to win the vesna and to me the the special teams that's really what cost them here tonight Mm -hmm. you know like you know they got a couple goals five on five give up two goals on the pk can't score on the man advantage but more than anything on the man advantage Didn't look really dangerous. Their best power play was their first power play, and we remarked in the first intermission that they created some good chances. They had a a low to high chance. They had a couple cross seam passes and a couple opportunities as well. So it looked like, okay, kind of cooking a little bit here. Maybe if they keep doing these sort of things, the power play can get loose against the 24th-ranked PK for the Jets coming into this this game, killing only 77% of the penalties coming into this contest. But they were the better team. At, five, at special with special teams, and to me, that's what cost them, particularly on the man advantage. Now, an 0-for-19 stretch, and in a game that they needed something on the man advantage, they came up empty.
4: Yeah, the, the first uh, first period power play was, was easily the best one. You get the Pedersen one-time slap pass all the way across where Miller doesn't get it right on the re- receiving end because it, it would have been a tap-in goal. Lindholm gets a rebound uh, off of a Similar high-low play where, where Miller's kind of taken it to the net and it gets swept across to yeah. Lindholm and, and he gets a quick shot off and and Hellebuck was quick to get out and swallow that one up. But aside from that, the rest of the way, again, they, they end up spending eight minutes on the power play.
2: Yeah, didn't do much with it. you know. And we can talk about officiating all we want. You didn't take advantage of the power plays you had. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to play some audio from Tyler Myers a bit later on. Um, and I understand where he's coming from because he kind of mentions uh, they were battling not only the Winnipeg Jets, but perhaps some of the calls that went against them. But with what you had to deal with on special teams, the power play opportunities you had, you didn't do anything with, and you give up two goals mm-hmm. on the PK. So you can point to the officiating, point to some bad moments. What they had to control, they did not control well on special teams tonight.
4: And I, I don't really know what the solution here is uh, outside of put Miller back where he's most comfortable. And, you know, Randy mentioned in the pregame show the, the idea of J.T. Miller down low, and it, it allows the opportunity to, to get that low high pass where it, exactly the Monahan goal, where it sneaks down to the goal line, you push it back into the bumper, and that bumper player gets this great sh- a great shooting opportunity. You, you need a lefty passing to a righty in that spot, yeah. so it makes sense for Miller to go there. You can understand why he's campaigning to go there, but he, he's at his best when he's controlling the play up top. He, he finds seams, like even a pass that he made when when the net was pulled, uh, the, the goalie was pulled. He, he kind of just feathered this one to Suter to to get the shot off, and you just look. He he tries things. He he puts the pucks in dangerous areas, and he he can make a lot of. Amazing passes. Yeah, he's high risk sometimes, but he can make some really good passes. It feels like you're just relegating him to one style of pass—that quick pass to the bumper. Uh, let him handle the puck a bit more, and he he works a good two-man game against uh, with Quinn Hughes. It's like that Charlie uh, Coyle breakup. His kind of like started yeah. that idea of like, oh, Miller and Hughes shouldn't go together. Yeah, uh, it, to, to me, it's it, it's the best combo uh, on that power play. And it, it opens up so many things for Elias Pettersson, for Brock Besser, for Lindholm as well.
2: I think so. so I think something that they probably should get back to, and I know Randy mentioned the coach said uh, JT mm-hmm. himself was kind of pushing to play net front, play to bumper spot. Maybe they move things, switch things up a, a little bit. But you're on an 0 for 19 stretch to try to get back to the staples, so to speak, mm-hmm. that helped you on the power play, and we haven't really seen it. And they really needed something on the man advantage, especially with how the game was going with momentum too and in the favor of the Winnipeg Jets. And you could have really used something on special teams, and they, they were not able to get that here tonight. A lot more reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. Uh, this one here says, TR from Courtney, I just want to say I think uh, this team cannot uh, I think the Canucks team is awesome. We're in first place out of the whole league. I just love them, and this was a hell of a hockey game. That's all I know. Others, uh, not quite as happy. A lot of people texting in and saying uh, the Canucks can't beat the big physical teams. Dan and uh, Brookswood is mentioning. I wondered how they would fare uh, against the bigger physical teams, like the Boston Bruins, the Vegas Golden Knights, Winnipeg Jets, and another game they couldn't win. And to me, like <clears> – <throat> I don't disagree that, you know, they lost the game, sure, but I didn't watch this game saying, Oh, the Canucks couldn't handle the Winnipeg Jets. I thought maybe they, they chased the game a bit too much in terms of physicality. We mentioned that Noah Jolson plays the third period. Maybe a bit over aggressive at times, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel watching this game. The Canucks couldn't play or hang with the Winnipeg Jets. You're winning battles, you're creating scoring chances, they had a territorial advantage, even uh, even strengthened five on five. Like I you know, breaking this game down, it didn't look to me the Canucks couldn't play against the Winnipeg Jets. That, I, I didn't feel like that yeah. watching them five on five.
4: Now, the, the big moments, yeah, the, the, especially, yeah sure. it, especially in the third period, the Jets won the big ones, and, and more importantly, Mark Trifley won the big moments, right? Protecting the puck while taking a hit from Noah Juleson and still able to make a play. And actually, even in the first period, Juleson was a, bit, a little over aggressive uh, at the blue line on a Kyle Connor zone entry. And it eventually led to Kyle Connor kind of getting an opportunity in the slot where he mishandles the puck, doesn't get a shot off. So th- there were warning signs. We mentioned the, the Zadorov one as well. But by and large, again, I, I do think this is one where you, you look at it and say, hey, th- there's a lot of elements that if we keep doing the same thing, we'll be all right. And we, we're, we're just going to have to wait for uh, the next big you know, uh, opponent uh, to, to, to relive all these takes and, and see how the Canucks size up. Uh, against the, like the LA Kings, the Vegas Golden Knights, which is going to be happening on March 7th, right before the trade deadline as well. So uh, kind of in a, in a holding pattern all of a sudden, but is coming up in a couple of games, so that'll be an interesting game to watch, and then back home against Boston on the 24th.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. Mike in downtown Kelowna, they're not big enough. I don't care if we're leading the league. First-round playoff game, exit guaranteed with this top six. How was size the issue tonight? People are chasing narratives. Like, I'm all for opinions and everything. Mm-hmm. But if your opinion was size was the problem tonight, to me, it, that's a completely out-to-lunch take. There was It was not an issue in terms of, like, size being the problem tonight. Discipline,
4: to me, was the bigger issue. And I don't I'm mean with penalties. You. I mean, in, in moments when you stepped up, should you have dropped off and tried to take a passing lane instead?
2: So the goals that Winnipeg scored, were they bullying the Canucks or were they two-on-one chances? There were two shots on the power play. One was Velarde... The puck sneaks through Demko. We mentioned that wasn't a great one. Well, the
4: power play goals are on their own separate.
2: Well, I'm, I'm just saying, right? Yeah. They're the one. It was a low to high pass Monaghan scores on it. And the two other goals they scored were two-on-one chances.
4: Well, again, I would argue that the, it's not bullying, but did the physicality impact the play? Sure, but and, I'm and, saying... And so Safely absorbs the contact. He makes a play. Will make a play. He makes a play, now, sure. That, again, that's not quote-unquote bullying, but that, that's winning with physicality. No,
2: I'm, of course. I yeah. mean, Winnipeg is going to win some... Portions right, of the game physically speaking
4: to, to reduce it to just two-on-ones the two-on-ones are created by the fact that they weren't knocked off the puck though I
2: sure but they weren't like I don't think they were bullying yeah, the Canucks no, no, tonight no, no. Like they I didn't were, find that this was a game where the Winnipeg just were all over the Vancouver Canucks and they couldn't handle the it physically
4: it, it, it's, it's blowing up the kernel of hey, they they didn't win that battle to they lost the physicality the whole game. Absolutely Which is, which is not true.
2: No, absolutely uh, other people texting in and saying Noah Jules has been a good story tonight but uh, tonight kind of exposes him on the back end what did you think of Noah Julson's play? He scored the goal. I thought he was good on the PK in the first period. You know, we mentioned the two goals that go on late, and you know, for the fourth goal, Julson also gets caught chasing hit a little bit. But if Lindholm and Pedersen don't collide in the neutral zone, maybe it's not a two on one going the other way, anyways. So there was a bit more going on there. But what did you think of the way Noah Julson played tonight? And what did this evening expose the Canucks' back end in any way?
4: Uh, he started well. Like I thought, he played a good first period. I mentioned the play against Connor, but you know he was really good in the PK. Scores the goal, and then regresses kind of the rest of the game. So it was kind of like a like a heart monitor chart. It's like beep, and he scored the goal, and then do the rest of the way down. Um, yeah, look the, the final thirty minutes. I didn't think he was uh, overwhelmingly impressive, but he's he's had good stretches of games here. This concern that he's not a viable D-man, I think, are overstated. The Canucks absolutely should be exploring improvements, like you always should. I've made my case about the whole Myers thing. I feel like there's a nice ceiling that he's provided, and he scored a nice goal today. But he also provides a reasonably steep floor. And there were moments tonight where I didn't think he was good either. So if we're looking for improvements, I I still, I know they're in the the, the Tanev market and all that sort of stuff. Those are real markets for them to be exploring in. But they seem to have this insistence of, like, the the Myers height plays a role. Zadorov's height plays a role. Effective play is more important than just the height to me. Yeah. And I I, I have voiced my concerns on Myers that – Will one game cost you in the playoffs where he has a bad one? And it's one thing to lose two points in the regular season. To lose one of four games in a playoffs, the impact is felt a lot more. But I would still be certainly in the right-handed D market.
2: Yeah, and we'll see if Chris Tanev is somebody that they do ultimately go after. Uh, and can they nail that player down? That would be a sizable addition. We'll see if they can do that or if it's going to be more of a depth move, uh, like you mentioned. But it
4: seems like if, if they go explore into that market, it's to push uh, Myers down the lineup. And Juleson out of line. Which look, well, if that's what we're gonna do, okay. But I, I just, I, I'm always just gonna have my concerns in Tyler Myers because we've seen it for five years here, and it, it's a different scale now because you're trying to win big rounds in the playoffs. This is not about just getting to the playoffs anymore. You trade first-round picks, now it's going to have mm-hmm. success in the playoffs.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you give up a first-round pick and you're sitting first in the league right now. You have to have some modicum of playoff success. It can't be a one-and-done in the postseason. Like That can't be an acceptable outcome for the team uh, this season. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox. This one here says, "Sat, are you delusional? Pedersen plays like a boy against big teams. He's your top scorer. So how do you win? I mean, we mentioned on the show Pedersen didn't have a strong game. I'm just saying I didn't find the size to be the reason the Canucks lost tonight. Pedersen, I thought he fell over a lot tonight, too. He, he mishandled the puck a little bit. I'm not even sure it was because of the physical aspect of it, but he certainly did not look like the player that we've seen through a lot of stretches of this season. But it, it is interesting. Every time the Canucks lose, there is a lot of frustration about Elias Pedersen on the Texan box. Like, like a lot. There, it's not just one or two people. There's somebody who always texts in and says Pedersen's terrible. Um, he's the reason they, they lost. But that person texts in even when they will win on Elias Pedersen. But there are a lot of people who are not happy with number 40 and how he played tonight.
4: Well, the 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 power play is the big one.
2: Yeah,
4: you know, w- where was he on the power play? We mentioned the one sl- uh, slap pass to J.T. Miller, but aside from that, he had far more bad than good on the power play, and, and the turnovers just—they're they're easy clears. They're—they're they're defeating. They're dispiriting, and go all the way back, so get it all the way back in, and wasn't good enough there, there there was no urgency from Elias Petterson tonight on the power play when it was calling for it especially when the Jets are scoring on the power
2: play. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, We'll continue with the reaction here coming up on the text inbox, 650-650, courtesy of Dunbar Lumber. And we are going to get the thoughts of the Canucks head coach, Rick Tockett, after a 4-2 loss coming up in a few moments. What are you seeing on the text inbox, pick that you want to get to?
4: Oh, boy. Uh, OP in Fleetwood. Can't beat the best teams. Can't score when they need to. Won't win when it matters. Here comes the President's Trophy and a (laughs) first-round exit Donovan in Maple Ridge too many games in a row that the top forwards were not playing as well as we know they can the good start in quotations players have gone to sleep are they resting for the playoffs or is it the numbers coming back to earth Donovan in Maple Ridge Uh, I would say look the the numbers were always going to come back to earth at some point as as we detailed, but it's it's what level does it stabilize at? I don't think it's going to crater to a point where you got to be that concerned. And he, look, like even here recently, Elias Petterson has performed. He has put up points. Uh, to me, it's a power play. Like they're, they're not generating on power play. It, it would ease a lot of the concerns if they're converting on the power play, and they just aren't in the last handful of games.
2: No, they haven't, and and that's a big problem for a team that. I mean, big problem, and I wouldn't say big problem. It can be a big problem if they don't solve it as, as the rest of the season goes on here. But it's becoming an, ex- an extended stretch. The Canucks had the top power play at one point this season. Now they're 10th, and they're kind of sliding outside the top 10 as well with how things are trending and kind of getting close to the middle of the pack, which is something you don't want to see uh, around. Uh, the Canucks power play, uh, a lot of text messages. This one from Lloyd. I've asked this before. I don't think you've addressed it. Why not trade Pedersen this summer? You think he's worth $12 million. I mean, <laughs> if Pedersen doesn't want to sign, he might get traded anyways. We'll see what happens this offseason with Elias Pedersen yeah. and whether he gets signed or not. He's had a tough game. There's no doubt about it. He's still a player who's, what, top five, six in the league in scoring? And he's a 24-year-old player that can still improve and get a lot better. I don't trade these players unless those players want out. And I'd say, let's just all chill a little bit and see what he does in the postseason, how this team fares in the postseason. And if you think then in the playoffs that he can play and he can have success... Then you have some evidence behind it. We've seen him in some games where he hasn't been good enough. He wasn't good enough tonight. He wasn't good enough against Boston. He wasn't good enough against Vegas. Same thing against Colorado. But then there are other contenders, and we talked about this too. If you look at his points against the other top 10 teams that Canucks have played, he's been well over a point per game. But there are games he hasn't been good enough. If he gets to the playoffs, he gets pushed around, looks soft, doesn't produce, then I think you can have a point to prove. But I'm not in the business of trading your most talented young players based on... I'm not sure what it's based on, but... Um, that's just my take on it. I'd sign Elias Peterson before trading him unless he doesn't want to stay
5: here.
4: 650-650. Uh, Thought I was watching the Lion King Disney on ice when I saw that giraffe dancing in and scoring in the second. What a beauty uh, from Tyler Myers. That's an unsigned text coming into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, Vinny from Alberta, need a Maroon or Felino from Minnesota. Uh, Script is always there to play the Canucks physical. They chased it tonight with emotions, and that cost them the game. If we can add grit to the uh, top six, Canucks are the real deal. I'm not sure if any of those guys are featuring in your top six. Certainly not Pat Maroon. Um, but I, I I'd be, wouldn't be opposed to Pat Maroon. He's kind of on my own short list, too, as far as the depth forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, depth forward sure has a little bit of size. I do think the Canucks could use some more pace, and I don't think certainly Mar- no brings any pace. Maroon's Mar- 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 not helping that at no, all. No, not bringing but any I, pace. But I do think
4: he's he's like one of the best like wall guys to me. Sure, he he is so good at taking the puck off the. The boards.
2: No, he he has. He's good at doing those sort of things. Absolutely. All right. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. He's 650- like Quai Leonard, board guy. <laughs> <laughs> Fun guy no, too. No, no. Board man. Board man gets paid. Board man gets paid. He getting paid quite a bit. All right. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar lumber text inbox six fifty six fifty. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free 1-888-275-0650. And we'll hear the thoughts of the Canucks head coach, Satyria Shaw with Bic Nazar on the Canucks Central post game show presented by the Number Five Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got got sports too and more coming up next on sportsnet 650
0: this is the canucks central postgame show join the discussion on the official home of the canucks sportsnet 650 and the sportsnet radio network
1: juleson's able to keep it in briefly but shifley skates onto it and gains the offensive zone entry big hit by juleson on shifley but it leaves a lane open for gabe velarde and kyle connor to hook up for a go-ahead goal and it's Velarde with his second of the night putting the Jets in front.
3: This line has had a good night. And Noah Julson, as you mentioned, goes for the hit along the left-hand side. He ends up drilling Mark Shifley, but leaves a lane wide open as Gabe Velarde just goes straight towards the net. Ends up getting a pass by Kyle Connor. And unfortunately for Connor, uh, Thatcher Demko, he cannot stretch to make that save. It's a tough one. But that's two Canuck players going towards Shifley, leaving Velarde wide open on the far post.
2: That's a game-winning goal, three-two goal. Jets go on to win four-two over the Vancouver Canucks, and this is the Canucks Central post-game show presented by the Number Five Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. And uh, you heard the call there. Newell Juleson steps up on that play. The call from Dan Riccio. Dan Riccio Woo! stepping in for Brendan Batchelor tonight. Fantastic job. Uh, as Batch was celebrating the birth of their youngest son, Rory, today. So uh, we're giving lots of love and. Uh, a lot of well wishes to the Bats, Brendan Batch, to Brendan Baster, his wife, and their lovely family. But great job by Reach on the call tonight as the Connects lost in Winnipeg Jets. Now we are going to play some audio from Noah Julson and Tyler Myers. Myers has some interesting things to say, which we're going to get to. But Noah Julson on that play was asked about it as well. So let's get to it here. Here is Noah Julson post game, and he's asked about that sequence on the three-two goal.
8: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the goal doesn't matter at all. Obviously, uh, you know, the third one I went for the hit. Um, Ended up in the back for and the fourth one's on me as well. So that you know, that game's a loss because of me. Um, get
2: your first goal as a Canuck. Were you expecting to score it from inside the opponent's crease? Is that?
4: No, <laughs> I, I wasn't. But uh, it doesn't matter right now. What do you guys learn from a tough game like this? Yeah, I think there's a lot to learn. Obviously, I think we we played great
8: till uh, a couple errors there by myself. So yeah.
4: Do you think there was enough emotion in this game to affect the outcome?
8: That's hard to say. I mean, I think we, we played hard and had emotion the whole night and uh, a couple slip-ups by, by me there, and, and that's the game. What can you say about team toughness with, uh, you know, after to Joshua fighting the other game and now getting a, uh, one from, from Phil jumping in uh, to defend a teammate? Yeah, I think it just shows
4: we, we all have each other's backs. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who, who it is uh, in the lineup, whatever it might be, but uh, we, we have each other's backs. Uh, that is
2: Noah post postgame. It says those two late, late goals were on me, so he took ownership on it. Um, and as far as he played tonight, those things are going to happen mm-hmm. from time to time. He makes some mistakes. The thing I would say about Noah Juleson is he's generally learned from the mistakes he's had and the, the misplays. I would Hope I, I'm hopeful that this is one of the things he learns from, but we don't see him repeat the same types of mistakes as the rest of the season goes on.
4: He's played really well for a month and a month and a bit here. Uh, one game isn't you know, swaying my whole opinion on Noah Juleson. It's been an impressive run here from him. So... How do you reapply now what happened today into the next games? And certainly the next big test uh, is going to be Colorado here in a couple of games. So another chance to evaluate what he's doing in that game. But he, he's he's passed the test in a big way, and they're going to keep earning opportunities here. You know, like we're, we're talking about Nils Hoaglander in the top six. He scores a couple of goals, and we're ready. Like, all right, for, at least for me, the end of February, Hoaglander stay in the top six. Noah Jolson's been better than Nils Hoaglander has. In, in his role for, mm-hmm. for prolonged stretches. So he should stay in the lineup. When Susie is healthy, which, you know, we're, we're, we're three weeks away from that timeline being uh, up, uh, I, I think it's Zdorov for me is the one that should come out with, with Susie back in.
2: for Instead of Jolson? I'm not sure I'm there yet. Uh, I think Noah Jolson has done a lot of good things. I think having a lefty-righty combination is really good. But one thing Zdorov does have, in addition to the size and physicality, is he can with his pace, cover a lot of ground. He can do a yeah. lot of things that they don't have enough of when it comes to the bigger players. Like Cole's not the fastest guy. Myers isn't the fastest guy. I think Zdorov brings an edge and some pace and, and just some overall ability the other guys are kind of lacking. So I'm not quite sure I'm there, but it's a discussion to, worth having. You know, once the Canucks are healthy, is it actually Noel Julesley coming out or is it Nikita Zdorov? Uh, we have a lot of reaction on text in the box, 650, as you would imagine. Dunbar Lumber, 650, 650. Uh, Casey in Port Coquitlam says, Let's enjoy this ride while it's still entertaining hockey. Uh, Faraz texts in and says... For the record, I think we played a good game, but I understand the frustration about EP40. I think fans are just desperate to see our top six take over in a close game like this and bring us the win. I don't think it's unfair. We mentioned the top six wasn't good enough. And there have been some games recently the top six hasn't played at the level you had hoped. I thought they were good against Detroit the other night. But tonight, uh, you do want to see more from your top six players. And if they bring it on the power play, we're having a different conversation post game here.
4: Yeah, and you know Randy mentioned especially that Miller line with, with Besser and Suter, where there moments where they weren't really getting in on the forecheck, and there was a couple of plays in the second period, um, or sorry, the first period where it looked like dump ins, Hellebuck would get it and slide it to a D man, and and still not enough quickness by Besser or Suter to be the first one in. Jets players were able to take a pass, turn around, and look the entire play yeah. and, and, and make a pass and it, it was just too easy at, at times when, when that line was trying to forecheck so again, I thought Mikheyev had a good game I know people are going to disagree but I, I'm just I'm dying to see Mikheyev Miller-Besser.
2: Some more pace on that line but I mean I thought five on five that line tonight was pretty good I mean you know Besser has we talked about this on the pregame five show shot attempts, I think, he five had five shots shot attempts goal. and yeah. he, he set up a suitor for some of the best chances the Canucks had in that first period as well I thought that line overall had a pretty strong game. Uh, Obviously, the power plays were my biggest issue with the top six players tonight, but I thought that line was actually pretty good. We were talking before the game about Besser, and now this is 22 games. He has six goals in his last 22. He's only scored goals in three of those games. So he's certainly on a bit of a cold streak when it comes to... The goal scoring.
4: What was his most notable scoring chance? Like, I, I know he set up the one where he kind of just shovels a pass into... Uh, it
2: was on the power play. First
4: Hellbuck's pa- pads, and then Suter gets a couple of whacks at it. It was on the
2: power play. It was a low-high pass, I think, for uh, from JT to him, and he got a shot on the Hellbuck made a save on. I think that's the best chance I can think of, and that was on the power Again, play. Again,
4: his best play tonight for me was the one in the defensive zone. that sets Defensively? Up, yeah. where I thought Pionk was going to beat him to this puck easily, and he... Puts the stick out, chips it out of the zone. It's it, what leads to the Myers goal. Like I, I thought, that was his best play tonight. But overall, again, this is your leading goal scorer. the The whole point, you know, the, the whole point of getting to thirty goals is to also get to thirty one. And I know some have been crossed out, but you can't just be satisfied with getting at thirty. It, the, the goals have to come for Brock Besser, and right now they're not. No, and, and it's a big issue, and we've talked about this, just the overall dynamic play. Is he overall dynamic? I, I think he's an intelligent player, and he, he uses positioning quite well. He had a couple of nice battles with the mellow in front of the net. You just see him jockeying for position, still trying to keep his hands free and the stick free if a shot came through. like That part of Brock Besser, I think, is really strong and underrated. But you like you watch Kyle Connor tonight, and they're different players. I get it, but like that's a, a pure winger who's just like I, I get the puck. I'm gonna fly past people. I, I can I can change the game with my skating. I can change the game with my physical profile. It, it's it's different for Brock Betzer, and he's reliant on others. And that's the part where I, I, I do feel like they at some point they need to address a bit more dynamic uh, play on that. Second line having
2: having a winger that yeah. can that can forecheck at least the way uh, McKeef can can help it out a little bit perhaps I would say you know. The best play I thought Besser made tonight was on that pe- chance he set up. Uh, yeah, for Suter. Suter. Yeah. He takes the puck off his skate, yeah. gets it on his stick, makes a nice play to Suter who has two chances, and Hellebuck stands tall on both of them. So I, I thought that line was better than the pedersen Lindholm line. I thought the pedersen Lindholm hoglander trio was easily the Canucks' worst line tonight. I'm not sure what the fancy stats say about them, but I don't think they had a strong night. I'd be surprised if they outchanced their opponent when they were on the ice. Every other line, I think for the most part, had a strong game. Let me bring this up here. Yeah, okay, so looking at some of the uh, scoring chance numbers here. So every single Canucks line tonight uh, outlo- out-chanced the opposition except for the Pedersen line. So the Miller line with Pew, suter and Brock Bester had five high-danger scoring chances to one. The Mikheyev-Karner-Garland-Blueger line had two sco- high-danger scoring chances to one. The third, fourth line, Oman Lafferty-DPDG, had 1-1, one, one, so they were awash with the high-danger scoring chances. The Pedersen line, outchance 0-3. Oh, I can't even think of a good scoring chance that line had in this game, 5 5 The best on five. one
4: was Hoaglander. Pedersen made a pass to Hoaglander from the left wall into the middle of the ice, and Hoaglander misses the one-timer.
2: Yeah. Oh, he misses the one-timer, so yeah. that doesn't even count no. as a shot attempt because he misses it. Yeah. So the best he chance they had. Whiffed. Yeah, so... The, the, the scoring chance numbers, that's what I, th- I thought the Canucks 5-on-5, five five, and you see it by the numbers. So according to Natural trick, 5-on-5, five five, the Canucks had 11 high-danger g- scoring chances to 8 for the Winnipeg Jets, and they outchanced them 21-17 overall, and, and the shot attempts were 46-33 in favor of Vancouver, 5-on-5. Five five. But that line, the Pedersen line, not a strong game here tonight. All right, uh, we are going to get to... Uh, the Canucks head coach, I mean, we're going to get to Tyler Myers, as we mentioned in a few moments, but we have the thoughts of the Canucks head coach ready finally. Here is Rick Talkett after a 4-2 loss against the Winnipeg Jets.
1: Pretty uh, tight game right up until the, the third period there, and just a couple of mistakes get yeah turned the game.
9: Yeah, you know, um, yeah, we just got a little, got a little you know, lost a little composure on those plays. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, good, it's a good learning lesson for us. We just got to be careful of those things. Not run out of position.
1: Noah kind of put the loss on him on himself a little bit when uh, he spoke to us post-game, but he's been so good for you guys for, for most nah, of the I mean,
9: Yeah, I mean, you know, it was actually a great hit. Could have played it a little different, but uh, I think we could maybe play the 2-on-1 too and maybe give Demer a chance. So, but uh, yeah, a couple of plays. They made the plays we didn't.
4: It's a big team over there. How do you think your team reacted to the physicality in this game, especially in the first 40 minutes it felt like?
9: I thought 5-on-5 five five were really good. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they won the especially in battle,
4: but I thought we were better 5-0-5. So,
9: But there's there's a lot of care in that room, so I'm actually
4: happy with the effort. What do you think about Phil DiGiuseppe, one of the guys stepping up against a guy much bigger than him on the hit on Niels Amon?
5: Yeah,
9: yeah,
4: love it.
5: Rick, I know uh, some fans are probably unhappy with some of the calls tonight. I think a couple of your players maybe are unhappy. Where do you stand on officiating, determining...
9: It's going to be like that. I mean, you're going to have these games. You know, whether you 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 know you you think you got screwed or not, doesn't really matter. You know, these guys are. It's it's a hard game. You know, the last couple of games we've taken a lot of penalties, and then you know that's for people to say if they are penalties or not. I'm not going to go there. You know, we 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 played hard. Just unfortunately, we uh, they won the special special teams battles tonight.
5: So what do you? I mean, Winnipeg obviously yeah. is a top team, as as yeah. are you. What do you take away or what do you hope your team takes away from this game as sort of a, a lesson about what it will take to win well, in the playoffs? Well,
9: just don't get frustrated. You know, I think we're <laughs> getting frustrated with some uh, some things out there. And um, just don't let it fester because then what happens when you get frustrated? You run out of position or you do something that, that's uncharacteristic. So, you know, when you, you know, we got to get build a resolve when you're in tight things, situations that you're to make sure that you keep your head. That's all. But there's, you know, like I said, a lot of care in that room. I, uh, guys played hard.
2: It felt like the power play had an opportunity to yeah. make a difference in this game. Um,
4: what needs to change for the power play to start clicking again?
9: Well, I mean, there's a little bit of, you can tell. There's a little te- like frustration, tension, when, and when guys are getting the puck, they're losing it. I thought when it was two-two, we had that power play there that wasn't good at all. Um, that's the dagger. That's the power play. You have to have the dagger, and um, I didn't like that power play at all. We were, we mismanaged the puck, and um, you know we need we need some guys to you know in those situations to meet pressure with pressure on that one. And I don't think we did on that, especially that one.
3: And did it did it feel like there was a playoff
4: like intensity yeah. to this game? And do you feel like the team you talked about it getting them getting frustrated? Do you feel like there's a lesson to learn about yeah. how to play in that kind of intensity?
9: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that bad. Frustrating. You know, I saw some guys getting frustrated, you know, uh, but I, it wasn't that bad. I mean, well, yeah, but we have to learn from it for sure. You know, um, you know, play, playoff experience is big, and um, you know, you can look at these games and, and get the experience when you, you know, if, you know, we run into another game like this, get that experience, learn from hey, what happened last time. How do I deal with these situations? Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll learn from this. Juleson's goal, his
4: first and first hometown yeah. team is all that. It was a great goal. He steps up. Sure. Um, you know, spoke to how confident he's feeling. Is there any concern he might lose confidence because of how the. Third
9: no, that, but is? this is big for Jules. You know, you got to shake it off. You got to be a, a closer in baseball. You know, you got to come back right in there in Minnesota and, and keep, keep on your staples. Keep, you know, what you've been doing. Don't, don't, you know, I don't want him backing off. Maybe, you know, you know, certain, certain reads. Yeah. Maybe, uh, but he's been making great reads, so he's fine. He'll be and fine. I think it was after the,
4: the, the fight, you seem to be pressing a point home with the ref. What was the
5: point you were trying to make?
9: With me? Yeah. Well, I just, I just thought that, I don't know, there's some hits there, you know, I I mean, I'm not going to question like the, when Myers got the penalty right away. I, I thought that would okay. So anybody who gets in that, I, I thought the lottery, I, I Listen, it's, we can sit here all night and pick and choose. You know, <clears throat> if I was on TNT right now, I'd give you the, the, what I thought about the refs.
5: <laughs>
9: but I'm not. I'm a like, oh, coach, and I think the refs do a great job. It's a hard job, man. These guys do a hell of a job. It's tough every night, and uh, there's a lot of when you know, especially these type of games. There's a lot of action, so. You know they're human too. You guys have trailed so little
1: this year; it almost feels weird to see you trying to yeah. get one back late in the game. Do you feel like you're good in those situations, or is there areas that you can improve on in those situations?
9: No, we we've been pretty good. That yeah, we we've come back sometimes too this year. Um, it's a little uncharacteristic so when it was two to two, like when we got you know we we kind of ran a you know we just got a little bit antsy on certain things. But no, I mean. Uh, I'm happy with the, with the way the guys played tonight. We just got to shore up a few things.
2: It seemed like on the power play in particular, yeah. there were a lot of passes that were kind of forced into feet, yeah. uh,
4: trying yep. to pass through players rather than finding a passing lane. Um, what got, leads to that? What,
9: you got to move your feet. If, if the, a couple of guys move their feet; they won't pass pucks. That's I get frustrated because we talk about it, but you got to work on it in practice. You know, you cannot stare down your option and have your feet planted. You got to move your feet, um, and we got to work on that because it's going to get harder and harder as the season goes on. And it's good to learn from. You know, I've always felt you can learn from the best. You know, Kucherov or McDavid—they move their feet all the time, so the angles change. So we 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 can learn from other. Some great players, too.
2: That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 4 2 loss against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, and uh, he mentioned they were better five on five. The loss of special teams battle you know, got frustrated uh, with some things, and that cost him a little bit in the game. He didn't like that part of it. Um, you know, we were kind of joking as he was, he was talking. Go it listen sound... to
4: the first half hour of the postgame <laughs> show. Sounds like we were talk talking about the,
2: the first 30 minutes. And, yeah, I thought they were good five-on-five. Five. We mentioned the two breakdowns on the two goals the Winnipeg Jets scored in the third period to win the game 4-2, five-on-five, five. and on the Noah Juleson hit, because Juleson took uh, took responsibility post game. We played those thoughts and talking was asked about it. He was pretty quick to downplay that being the reason they lost the game. He said it was a great hit, but probably could have done it a bit differently. So he likes the physicality, he likes the aggressiveness. It's more about how you do that. And I think what he means is, would have done that differently, is make a play on the puck and then go through the body, and that way the pass doesn't come through. And if the pass doesn't come through, then that play is made. Because if he makes the play and the puck doesn't go anywhere... It's a great play. We're talking about what a great play, right? And I think that's what he means about could have done it differently. I don't think he means as in don't step up. If you are stepping up, if you are committing to making that physical play, you got to make sure you get the puck.
4: Yeah, just wants uh, Juleson to be that closer in baseball, right? lone save got to go back on the hill the next time yeah and uh try to close it out so he didn't manage, he's making great reads he'll be fine so there's a backing of the player in that spot uh but yeah we mentioned the, the, the composure element and, and being disciplined you, you, you literally use that word composure mm-hmm. and and not to get frustrated and you know what happens when you get frustrated you start losing your head start going out of position and these are all the things that led to uh big moments for the winnipeg jets and then uh I just don't think he wanted to, to take a fine. I, you
2: know, he, he sounded like somebody, and he said, I mean, he, he essentially said, I would have told you my real thoughts if I still was still on TNT. He yeah. probably would have been critical about the officiating. It was like he was t- trying to talk himself out of criticizing them. He kept like going back. He was about to say something like, "Oh, it's a really tough job." You know, these, these are great officials. Diplomatic. He, he was very, being very
4: diplomatic, trying to get the call of the next game.
2: Now, one thing I've also seen, and I've seen people text this and also tweet at me about this, that uh, he tries to buy the officials with honey instead of being critical. And they say, "Well, look at guys like Paul Maurice. Look at guys like Laviolette All game, every game, they're on the officials. Post game, on the officials. They don't let up on them at all. Whereas Rick Tocchet takes a far softer approach with the officials. Never." Ever wants to criticize them and that doesn't mean on the bench he's having pay a the fine,
4: Rick Just pay the fine
2: I think for all of us I, think, I mean, I think for entertainment's purposes we'd love to hear it but do you think at some point we'll see him be like you know what he shed the nice guy routine with the officials
4: Just break it out once a year That's <laughs> all I'm saying You know we had Winter Crow sometimes What about uh, Winter Talk? Fiery Talk, it or something like that It wasn't a well It's not just about the Canucks, right? It was It was both directions so Yeah, yeah Maybe that's why he's not bringing it up because I I do think they missed calls on Garland. I do think they missed calls on Zadorov. I do think they missed calls all over the ice. And so maybe tonight it wasn't a fair example for him to bring it up because they probably had their hand in the cookie jar themselves. But the the, the officiating – and especially, you know, we've gotten some text here over the last six, seven games here. It it really hasn't been very good. It hasn't.
2: But what cost them more than anything was how poor they were on the power play tonight. Mm-hmm. They, they had four power play opportunities, and they didn't really generate much with it either. And now they're on an O for 19 stretch. So I, I'm with you. Wasn't a great, cleanly officiated no, the, the game. First
4: Hoglander, like they shouldn't even be on the penalty kill. I don't o- disagree. On that hoglinder one, I they, they, they shouldn't be on the penalty kill on the on the on the PDG one because like that's a penalty on on Lowry. Yeah, but you still give up two goals. And, and you still got to still got to make the kills. I get it. And he didn't
2: score either. They, they haven't scored on the Go power fund
4: play. me for uh, Rick Donkin. <laughs> <Rick Dock. laughs>
2: Make it entertaining for the post-game show. Build the Uh, reserve right now. (laughs) Ryan and Abby text in and says, Relax, Vancouver. Trust the process. With a track record of this management and coaching staff, let's see how they do on March 9th. They are not done yet in terms of trades. And, you know, the obvious ones are coming in, too, about the Canucks' needs. Another top six forward, more top four defensemen. In an ideal world, you'd love to add both. It's just how many significant additions can you truly make at one point? Uh, you know, in one season, Canucks have already made a few. I'm not quite sure they'll have to be able. They'll be able to do as many a uh, big deals, but they'll certainly be at ad- looking to add some depth, and we'll see if they can add somebody who's more of a difference maker.
4: Yeah, not just March uh, 8th, but February 20th against Colorado, February 24th against Boston, February 29th against LA, March 5th against LA, March 7th against Vegas. It's an exciting two weeks here, two three weeks here, to see some big opponents. Not just physicality, but Top top teams. Mm-hmm. Oh, and absolutely. Let's see how they fare. I, I I think they'll be okay, but I understand the people saying, "Hey, Boston, Colorado, Vegas, now Winnipeg. They ever won those games. They can't do it." Sat. Even though we remarked about the uh, <laughs> record against the the. the, the, the next best 10 teams, which I think now goes to 10, 5, and 2. Yeah,
2: so they still have a, you know, significantly a significant winning record against those teams. Can be better against some of, the, some of those squads, obviously, and uh, we'll see how they do next time they play Boston, which is on Saturday here at Rogers Arena. And two more games coming up against the Winnipeg Jets, so we'll see how they fare the other times. Uh, this text uh, agrees with you from Tyler. Just eat the fine. Fans need to start a GoFundMe to pay Rick's fines. <laughs> uh, and this one here says, even with the bad officiating, we're over for 4 on the power play. I feel like we can't complain too much Uh, we have to make other teams scared of taking penalties by scoring and and that's where I come out too it's you give up two goals you don't score on the power play the power play doesn't look very effective that's where I'm not looking at it as the reason they lost was the officiating
4: it's still okay to demand
2: better officiating I, I demand better officiating I'm also demanding better from the Canucks on special teams Can both things be true at the same time? Breaking out sadisms. (laughs) It's 11.30 yet. Uh, (laughs) All right. We'll hear from Tyler Myers on the other side, plus Ian McIntyre is going to join us as we continue the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five orange on the home of Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
0: This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: Canucks had their third line out there once again to start the period. Connor Garland kicks it up to himself as he goes through the neutral zone, waiting for Teddy Bluger to go to the net. It comes through. Noah Julson puts it up and over the shoulder of Connor Hallebach
3: and the Canucks attack in transition. Noah Julson jumping up into the rush. To finish off that play, his first goal of the season, but a great job by Connor Garland, who gets the puck in the neutral zone, then attacks along the left-hand side, slams the brakes, and just throws the puck towards the front of the net. Teddy Bluger can't get there, but Noah Julson, who has been a star for this team this year defensively, jumping in and poking the puck past Connor Hellebuck. He cleans up the garbage.
2: <laughs> Noah Juleson. Dan Riccio and Randy Janda on the call uh, gave the Canucks a one nothing lead to start the second period, and that's as far ahead as the Canucks got in this one. Losing 4-2 against the Jets at Rogers Arena. And this is the Canuck Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange at Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text Box 650-650. Uh, a lot of things also coming up on, on social media as well. I got this note from Scott Johnston saying, Canucks fans are becoming fragile drama queens on the Post Game Show after every loss. Most reactions missing the mark worse than Hoaglander's third period whiff. Great game, good learning experience, and, a, and two big moment plays from top NHL line made the difference simple as that credit to the Jets that is Scott Johnston uh, sending us a note on Twitter now uh, the power play is something we've spoken quite a bit about uh, and people texting in about how the power play needed to make a difference here tonight and some good work being do- done uh, on Twitter by a listener fan of the show Ken Henderson at Krusty027 and I always like when somebody scoops Big Nazar on the stats and uh Keith Henderson got on top of the Ken, Ender, Ken Henderson got on top of this one. Where are your spreadsheets on this one, Vic?
4: <laughs> Look, man, I was like, no, Jillson. I made kidding. some errors tonight. I'm just kidding. Textures are on it. I'm just kidding. Lost but a little composure. So, so my, my issue my here. My takes earlier don't matter. <laughs>
2: spreadsheets are on me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just blaming Vic on it. But. We mentioned how special teams today. Power play didn't come through. And the Canucks have lost against the New York Rangers, lost to the Leafs, lost to Colorado, lost to Vegas, lost to Dallas, Boston, and Winnipeg. They've also beaten Dallas, right? But those are some of the losses against the top teams. So Ken did the work to look at how did the Canucks do on the power play in those losses. The 4-3 overtime loss against New York, the Rangers, they were 1-for-6 on the man advantage. Against Toronto, a 5-2 loss, they were 2-for-6, so the 2-for-6 is good. That's 33% on the man advantage. Against Colorado, the 5-2 loss, though, 0-for-3. Vegas, 4-1 loss, 0-for-3. Dallas, 4-3 loss, 0-for-3. Boston, 4-0 loss, 0-for-3. And tonight's 4-2 loss against Winnipeg, 0-for-4. And in those seven big games, the Canucks power play is 3 for 28, 11%. And he goes on to say, you're now winning in the playoffs with an anemic power play like that. And those games, I think that's a great point. There's are certain areas of the game the Canucks obviously can do better in and everything. But the power play has to be a strength of this team. And in those big games, the power play has only clicked at 11%. Tonight, a big 0
4: Yeah, don't score goals. You won't win games. It's... it's, it's
2: Take it back. Not I think, complicated. It's, this is not a team. I, I
4: do wonder though the games because I just referenced they've gone ten five and two against the next best ten teams. Uh, if you look in those games, what would their their power play be? I'd have to do a little bit of work here, but I uh, I can I can break out the, the spreadsheets if you want me to. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, look ba- Bick's gonna do it. Big got challenged now. He's all he's all Challenge. Like <laughs> Uh Nav and Dallas texted in. Uh, we saw Nav in Dallas at the rink here yeah. tonight. So uh, good on Nav for coming out and checking long, it out. Long road trip. Happy belated birthday. It was his birthday earlier yeah. this month. And he said, I forgot to ask you guys, how did you guys know it was my birthday? I'm pretty sure somebody t- texted it in to the show a, a little while back yeah. and said it's, it's Nav's birthday. So I think that's where we found out about it. I can't <laughs> remember exactly, but something along those lines. But uh, thanks to Nav visiting from Dallas, checking the game out tonight. Unfortunately, the Being in the game,
4: first game after a road trip. A road trip,
2: yeah. <laughs> good effort by Nav. <laughs> worked hard. All right. Uh, We'll get to more of your text messages coming up in a moment. But let's get the thoughts of the Canucks defenseman, number 57, Tyler Myers. Scored a goal tonight, uh, also took a penalty, got called for an elbowing call. And, well, he was a bit frustrated with the officials throughout the game as well. And he answered the question about the officiating, or at least uh, who they were playing tonight. So have a close listen. Here's Tyler Myers after a 4-2 loss against the Jets. Special
8: teams battle. That ended up being the biggest difference for us. Um, but for the most part, we played played a good game. We'll look at some of the things we can clean up. But, uh, you know, guys were into it tonight. What can you say about your, your read on your goal to step up and pick that one up? I saw him take a look at the, my winger, so I just tried to stay close to him in case he did throw it over. And luckily, I was able to grab it and fortunately went in. do
4: you guys feel like you attacked a goaltender like Connor Hellebuck
8: tonight? Uh, good. I'm... You know, I don't think we you know tried to change anything uh, you know, from our game uh, with Bucky over there. But uh obviously a good goalie. Um I thought we had some good looks. Um you know, they just ended up uh being able to go out and go ahead in the third and uh, just come in come in tomorrow look to get better. what did you think about the play from Phil there to step up after the hit. It, was, it was awesome. Um guys uh you know, praised them a lot in between periods. It was great to show him stand up for a teammate, and uh, just, it was awesome by
1: Noah just kind of put the loss on himself for making two mistakes there in the third that led to the goals. Um, he's been so good for you guys pretty much all season, but tough one, a couple of tough mistakes. It just shows how tight these games are going to be down the stretch.
8: Well, that play never would have happened if they called the penalty on Garley in the corner. So um, Jules is fine. He's playing great. Wouldn't change his mindset at all. Is that one of those ones where you can talk to him, help him sort of bring him out of the funk he's doing right no. now, or just let him be? He doesn't need to think about that at all. He's playing great. Um, you know, he's approaching the game. You know, the best. Uh, you know that I've seen from him since he's been here, and uh, for him, he's just focused on what he's. You know, keep doing what he's doing. You know, don't worry about you know a mistake here and there. Mistakes are going to happen. Yeah, fi- when,
1: when the physicality ticks up in a game like that, you have to. Still, sort of be aware and when you can step up to make a a big hit and keep that physicality going, right?
8: Yeah, um, you know, it's also tough when you're battling. You know, the the first hit of the game is not a penalty, and he calls it a penalty because I'm a bigger guy. Uh, You know, it felt like we were battling two teams tonight, and you know, it's unfortunate, but you know, we'll look to to come out uh, on on our road trip. with a good effort and keep keep what we have going uh you know what we have good going here did it feel like there was a playoff like intensity to this game yeah it was, it was tight you know the game was was tight out there we knew it was going to be the those guys defend well um uh, we feel like we defend well and for the most part it was it was very tight uh that's what it's going to be here to end the season and going into playoffs and we need to know be ready for it you know handle our emotions a little bit better you know I I got a little hot (laughs) Um, but uh you know there's always something to learn from you know uh like that but uh those are the kind of games we're gonna we're gonna see uh attend the season here
5: how little is the margin of error against a team like
8: that uh uh, yeah I mean there's a lot of teams I can capitalize um you know they have some good players you know the, the players that uh made the plays on the on the third and fourth goals are good players. Uh, they're able to make those plays uh, you know a lot in a game. And uh, just have to, you know, rebound. There's no point in worrying about it. Uh, you know, we've played some really good hockey. I thought we played some good hockey tonight. We just gotta we just gotta keep pushing for They're gonna be nice when your big guns don't score. What does a game like this say about the importance of secondary scoring? Yeah. Um, you know I it's going to be nights like that, like you said. Uh, I, I haven't really given too much thought about it, but um, we have a deep team. Um, there's guys that can score. Uh, I know our two goals tonight were from the back end, which is unusual for a group. But um, you know, we're fine. I, 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 we're not going to give we're, we're not going to give our scoring two thoughts. You know, about tonight. So we just got to keep pushing and, and, and you know have a good start to the road trip uh, in a couple of days.
2: Uh, that is Tyler Myers after the game, and uh, expressing some frustration and talking about how he got a penalty for being too tall uh, on his hit, and then also mentioned that it felt like they were fighting two two teams out there, and did it concede. Good as on it, you, Tyler. And, and conceded as the interview went on that he's heated after the game and yeah. feeling a bit emotional about how things fared. And listen, I get the frustration; I understand it. Um, still have to come through better on the, on special teams. I thought. I get it. Man's Things don't go wrong. your way. Man's He's not, not wrong. wrong. He's
4: not wrong. But let him speak his truth. truth. <laughs> I,
2: I am. I let him speak his truth. Typical uh,
4: media neutralizing <laughs> the truth.
2: <laughs> We're getting a lot of those text messages. Uh, Hans says – Good for Tyler Myers, though. Hans says, My- Myers, I make $6 million. Fine me. Do it every <laughs> game. And I still have a generational wealth. Great on him to sell out the Zebras. That's Hans texting in. So, people people are appreciating out it. The
4: zebras. Well done.
2: drafts <laughs> are bigger than Zebras. So. The- use, use your size. Use your leverage.
4: That's just the uh, – the food chain working there. Y-
2: yes. Uh, Canuckaholic70 in Pitt Meadows says, Canucks fans should chill. They played well enough to win, but lost to reps and special teams. Uh, they got impatient in the third as well. They lost to a good team who also went through a slump. If the Canucks were slumping as bad as the Bruins, fans would be calling for a rebuild. That is Canuckaholic70 in Pitt Meadows texting in.
4: All right, so I did some math. Okay, what do you have? I broke up the spreadsheets. Uh Because you read that text or that tweet from Ken, which was a fantastic tweet. I brought up all the games against Florida, Winnipeg, Boston, Dallas, Rangers, Carolina, Edmonton, Colorado, Vegas, and Toronto. So those are the next best 10 teams. How are the power plays fared in those games? Uh, If I've done this correctly, which I believe I have, 17 for 64 in those games. Now, a lot of that is because of Edmonton. They went three for six, one for three, three for six, uh, so it was six for fif- uh, seven for fifteen in those games. But seventeen and sixty four against those teams.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, you, I think the Edmonton games. Not to say, I, I guess, has, has having fun with with numbers and everything, but it was so early in the season. If you look at, you take those two out, and you look at three, as the season yeah. goes on, the numbers are impacted pretty dramatically.
4: Sure. Yeah. Again, no game, no power play goals against Winnipeg, Boston. Dallas, they scored two against Carolina. They didn't score against Colorado or Vegas, so it's 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 somewhat, I think, cherry picking. But they, they they did score against Toronto. They did score against Florida earlier in the season. They did get one on Chesterkin in in the Rangers. They they did score two against Carolina. Yeah, I'm just saying. No, I, don't know, I don't know. I'm just saying. In, in, in
2: these losses, in yeah. these losses to the games, people point point but to. But
4: if you looked at losses for any team, like how did you score in the power play? It's not like they're going 55 percent or something like that.
2: But the power plays went from being you know top two to number ten in the league and slipping out. The power plays slipping. It is like it has. Uh, they're the power play and the PK are trending in two separate directions. The PK, unfortunately, tonight gave up two goals. It's been playing a lot better. The power play, is, I, I do think it's somewhat concerning oh, that, that, yes. that they're dropping down. It's, to me, it's not like, hey, nothing to look at But the at idea here. that
4: they can't score against good teams. Oh,
2: no, I'm just – but that's what's cost them. Yes. And to me, what that stat shows more than anything else, for all this talk about the Canucks can't beat these good teams, can't beat the strong teams, if you're better on special teams in those games, you maybe you come out and – Tonight the biggest story for me was special teams. You play better on special teams, you might win the soccer officials. game. No, I'm pro I'm pro controlling what you can control and it's Sancti easy the to the
4: official is a uh, youth. What? No. <laughs> 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 Actually I, I did I used to be a basketball ref. That's not
2: so. Basketball is, ref. So yeah. you know all about bad calls. <laughs> yeah. You know true. how to make bad calls.
4: I was great. That teeing people up though <laughs>
2: uh, a lot of reaction on text in box. Uh, Dayman from The Rock. Myers is an absolute pro. This was a great interview from him. Juleson is deserving of the recognition, and Myers is giving it. Both of them have been outstanding this year and competed to the last minute. Thought they were quite good tonight. Very difficult to beat the refs as well. Dayman from The Rock texting in. Others, with Tyler Myers, are not quite as, as uh, enamored with his performance. So a bit of everything coming in on the text inbox, as you would imagine. And it's time now, as we get to the final portion of the post-game show. You've been listening to myself, Satyar Shah Biknazar, give you some opinions. You've heard the text. You've heard the phone calls. It's time to get the thoughts of the man we call the triple threat. You watch him on TV, you read him on digital, and you're about to hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre.
4: some you kind know, out
0: of here Anybody
5: who has seen me on a soccer pitch will laugh at what I'm about to say. But I don't think you should ever blame the referees for a loss. I mean occasionally there is the you know titanic mistake, mm-hmm. the decision that indisputably, decides a game but there's so much more that goes into a result than simply uh, a couple of calls or non-calls and in the game tonight as Connor Garland himself told me post-game it's 2-2 going into the third period Mm -hmm. and we gave up two five-on-five goals yeah and that was the game
2: that and they give up two goals on the on, the, pan- the, the, on the on the PK, and they didn't score on four power
5: play opportunities. You're not
4: wrong, Connor Garland's not wrong, but it's okay to say the officials were bad tonight. Yes, and they oh, were yeah. dreadful tonight, and and not yeah. just. Against the Canucks or for the Canucks, they were just bad across the board.
5: Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. But, Bick, this is – I mean, it's the NHL. But it's man. a big problem. It's, it's yes, like, it's, it is. It, it's becoming a recurring issue. It that is. Even it... in
4: games that the Canucks have won, the officials are not very good here recently.
5: Yeah. It, it is a problem. I agree. And you hope that in a big playoff game, the officiating would be a lot cleaner mm-hmm. than, than it was tonight. I agree with you. But – you know, you deal as an athlete. You know, things are never linear. Things are never easy. They're never they're never completely uncomplicated. You have to mm-hmm. you have to deal with what arises. And uh, just so you know, people won't yell only at me. I'm referencing <laughs> what others have said. Yes. And so Rick Talkett, in you know the post his post game scrum said you know composure we lost composure on some plays and he, you know his takeaway is don't get frustrated don't let it fester cuz then you you make you make decisions that are uncharacteristic so yeah. Uh, yeah there were there were some really bad calls and and part of the reason and i have changed over the years about this cuz i used to you know get frustrated too. yeah as as a journalist you're always looking for injustices to point out and try to correct right but we never do it when it's the other team (laughs) that feels that feels they got ripped off yeah right it's always how is it for Mm -hmm. for this team Mm -hmm. how is it for this city Uh, but you're absolutely right, Vic. That the the game wasn't well officiated, and and this is a concern. But it, you know, it's been a concern for years. I think, you know, a few of these, a couple of these recent games, and let's hope they don't have Eric Furlat in Minnesota mm-hmm. <laughs> Surely they wouldn't get him three games in a row. I think that's a mistake by the NHL, by the way, to have an official do the same team two games in a row. I don't think that should happen. And tonight. Uh, for instance, you know, Furlat worked the game against Detroit. They missed a high sticking call on Hoaglander. Mm-hmm. First chance he got, he gave Hoaglander a penalty tonight. Was it a penalty? Was it not? Uh, I mean, Ho- Hoaglander's stick and hands were high again. I think Pionk sold it, you know, put his hand, Yeah. put his head back, put his hand to his head. But the point is, I think Hoaglander was on Furlat's radar because mm-hmm. of what was missed last game. So mm-hmm. I, I think That's one thing the NHL could do. But I think bit by bit, you know, we see reviews. I love that, you know, the major penalties now Mm -hmm. can be reviewed. Uh, I like, uh, I think the NHL has finally, I mean, maybe they've got to refine offside a little bit more, those reviews. Um, But I I think they've got a pretty good system now for reviews on goals and, and what's good and what's not. Maybe they take away too many uh, goals for goalie interference now, but at least you know it seems it feels like a level playing field when it goes to review. And and I think the league is going in the right direction. But yeah, there's there's always there's always calls uh, that that you may uh, disagree with, but again, as as the as a player, if your focus is on that then your focus isn't enough on what it needs to be on to win a game.
4: Yeah,
2: I mean, I I agree that the officiating wasn't great. My problem with the team themselves was their play on special teams overall. The PK... Uh, they've been good on the PK the last little bit, gave up two goals tonight, and the power play has been pretty anemic. 0-for-19 stretch now. They went from having one of the best power plays, if not the best power play in the league, now slipping out of the top 10 in the league. The PK's trended in the right direction, but they had four opportunities, and outside of the first power play, where they had a couple of chances, generated next to nothing after that first power play opportunity.
5: Yeah, the, the power play is more a concern the longer this goes, and it has been going a while. It did have, you know... Uh was it in Carolina it scored yeah Carolina scored twice with Lindholm in his first game and it i'm trying to think the the game at well the game after that was Boston mm-hmm. nothing was good in Boston but it it has felt like maybe the the power play is coming along and i know that talk it talks about the chances and the certainly the players talk about that they don't if you talk to JT Miller or, or Quinn Hughes they don't talk mm-hmm. about the goals they talk about the chances they're getting, and as long as they're getting chances, they feel they feel good. You know, talking himself talked about how how poor the power play was when it was two-two that they got, that they just he, he felt like they didn't generate anything. It 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 is a bit of a concern, but as as I've said before, uh, sat that, that you look at your special teams in totality, and if your your PK and your power play. Add up to well above a hundred, then you're ahead of most teams. You know, by definition, mm-hmm. you're ahead of most teams, and so each each unit is, is kind of cyclical. They go hot and they run, they run cold. It's just the power play has been running uh, cold to frigid to frozen, you uh, know, uh, for months now, and uh, certainly it's something that they need to try to figure out before the playoffs come. You you know that you're not going to get as many chances in the playoffs and you know that every every chance uh, is going to be bigger. Every chance is going to have uh more of the potential to impact a win or a loss in a playoff game. So they they need to get that sorted out a little bit.
4: One of the commentaries coming to this game would be, "Hey, can they win against the big teams and and the heavy teams as well?" This was a very physical game did your impression change of what, how no, the no, I, I handle they, physicality?
5: I thought they were fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I really did. And, and, you know, I usually, if I have time before I come on this, come on the show, because I've just filed my 900 words, uh, for sportsnet.ca. I, I try to look at some of the fancy stats and see like, okay, was, was, was my, um, eye test. Was it accurate? and, and, you know, I thought the Canucks were the better team at 5 on 5. But if you look at natural stat trick, they were close to dominant at 5 on 5. Mm-hmm. Like, not just better, significantly better than Winnipeg. Uh, I thought, you know, they outhit them. Uh, what was it? Almost 2 to 1, 37 22.
2: Yeah, they um, outchanced them 5 on 5, too.
5: Yeah, outchanced them 5 on 5. Outhit them. Uh, didn't back down from any physical thing. You know, Phil DiGiuseppe. I it's great that he's wants to stand up for a teammate. That's almost an automatic call now. Uh, like yeah. the instigator. I know people tonight are saying, well, Lowry dropped his gloves. That's that's not the point. Like if a player skates out of his way to confront somebody yeah. in the immediate aftermath of of a hit or whatever, it's almost always now called an instigator. And the Canucks have benefited from that. Remember the game in Toronto? Yeah. In November, the Leafs took two instigators. And one of them was very similar to this in that the player who engaged was right in the same area. It's not like he skated across the ice, but he went straight to, I think in that case it was Ian Cole had hit somebody. went straight uh-huh. at Cole, and it's, it's an instigator. Um, but... You you love what that represents from Phil DiGiuseppe at the same time, you know that that uh, and we, you know we've we've seen it from Nikita Zadorov, standing up for yeah for teammates. I'm trying to think did he yeah he he had an instigator against Reese Johnson. I'm yes that's sure. what it was yeah against he the did. Islanders right, um, and he didn't against Liam O'Brien no no uh, it was Blackhawks Black Black Blackhawks you're right yeah, yeah. that was the Pedersen hit. He didn't have an instigator against Liam. O'Brien on Arizona because that was like a couple of shifts later. Right. It wasn't right when O'Brien – I don't mm-hmm. think Zadorov was on the ice when O'Brien jumped Lafferty at the bench. But that's why, you know, that's not an instigator. So uh, I, I think I think this team has a lot going for it. And and I don't know if you, you saw my Zadorov piece today. Yeah. Where he, he talked about – like he was kind of disappointed that no one from Detroit challenged him because – if if somebody hits a, a young player on their team, uh, even if he's suspended, you still want to send a message. And mm-hmm. he said, you're not sending it. Uh, I thought this was the really interesting part. And Zadorov, i got to say, he's an interesting guy he is. when you talk to him. It, it's not just to send a message to the other team, or as he put it, teams you're going to be playing after that so that they know mm-hmm. as well. You're you're sending that message to your own teammates. You want your teammates to feel protected and that somebody has their back. And so, you know, certainly Di Giuseppe doing that uh, for Oman. You know, the players the the players are gonna love it. It's, it's not gonna it's not gonna drive a wedge through the yeah. team. You know that they, they gave up a, po- a power play goal there. It's too bad they couldn't kill the, they couldn't kill the penalty.
2: Uh, certainly. Uh, before we let you go here and and end the show. Elias Patterson. And, and it seems like on the post-game show, every time the Canucks lose and Pettersson doesn't have a great game, and I thought his line struggled. He didn't have a good game, not even special teams, but also 5-on-5. Five five. But there is this huge level of frustration for fans saying he can't play against big games. Um, they think he's soft, and they, they don't think the production is, is, is an indicator of how good he is or him not being good enough. And I know not every fan feels this way, and I get it. Star players get held to a higher standard. He had a tough night tonight. What do you make of how he's played this season? Also, this last little stretch. What what should the takeaway be about where Elias Patterson's game is at?
5: Well, was he was he noticeably worse tonight than Brock Besser and JT Miller?
2: I thought those guys. I thought they were better. Their line was better, but I'm not sure individually yeah. that they were great. See, I, th- I
5: think there's a lot of nights where he's he. Is on the same par as their other top players who are struggling. The Mm -hmm. puck
4: management on the power play was no. Yeah, well, but I think
5: what I think that, and you're right, uh, it's got to be better. But I think that is a manifestation of the level of frustration uh, on the power play that they're now trying to force passes, and it's often Miller that we've seen do that in the past. But now, now Pedersen is doing it. I've even seen Quinn Hughes do it. You know, I forget which. I think it was the Boston game. Quinn just had a miserable game. Like the puck was bouncing away from him. And this is one of the 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 most agile, most adept stick handlers in the league. And he couldn't, it seemed, make a pass or handle the puck. So it does happen. I think that the issue, there was a lot there in your statement, Sad. So, you know, the issue of, um, you know, is he soft? I, I haven't seen that but I also haven't seen him play playoffs not proper playoffs in the bubble he certainly was not soft when teams were coming after him and they were coming after Quinn Hughes and they both had exceptional Mm -hmm. playoffs but you know the bubble was this almost alternate reality thing now it was like you know something that that was created for streaming or something It it didn't you know in hindsight it feels less real than what it was at the time uh, so we'll find out. We'll find out in in big games, but uh, I see Pedersen throwing hits on people. I see him blocking shots. He's scored an awful lot of points uh, in tight. So I don't see him playing with fear. I don't mm-hmm. i I don't see that. but again, these guys and and all of them on this team, I mean they haven't they haven't played playoff hockey in front of an audience. period period you know the the guys who no one's around from from uh 2015 uh and and you know lots of players on the team have of course with other organizations but i'm talking about the guys the core players on this team who have grown up it you know we're going to find out a lot about them about all of them you know in the playoffs in april and hopefully May.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I would. I certainly hope so. And uh, with the way they've gone about their season so far, it's been tremendous. Tough game tonight against the Winnipeg Jets, and uh, back on the road again. A Three game road trip beginning on Monday in Winnipeg, in Minnesota against the
5: Wild. Is Pedersen still top ten in NHL scoring? He's yes. fifth. Yeah. yeah, it's not bad. I know it's okay, not bad. Well. And I wouldn't bring this up guess, if it was one or two I texts. guess Gretzky was afraid
2: I, I, as I well. I wanted to right? ask
4: Ian about uh, Tyler Myers. As, as, as a fellow tall, as, <laughs> as a bruising center back yourself yeah. on the pitch, do you sympathize at times where you're just like, because I... I imagine you're yeah. elbowing guys on the soccer pitch because well, you're taller. Well, than the left. difference
5: now is uh, with hockey, and nothing I do in soccer relates to <laughs> professional <laughs> hockey. <laughs> like it's <laughs> – Picking up a lot of I yellows, cannot, I I imagine. cannot pretend. Uh, sometimes I do yell – Still, and it's not—I'm not proud about it. The referees, My and my brother was a really gifted player. He played on the powerhouse uh, UBC teams, mm. a couple of them that won—I I don't know what they won—five straight and went to a world final for universities. And he had the same undoing. <laughs> um, but uh, what I will say about the way the NHL is now officiated—you can't hit guys in the head. Like that's, that's basically the bottom line. So I do sympathize with Tyler because I don't think for almost all of his career, he did anything that would be construed as wrong there Mm because his, his elbow was down, it was tucked into his body. But now if you hit a guy in the head, you hit a guy in the head. And, and I think that's, I think that's what they see. Uh, I think Talkett is onto something, and and I spoke to him on that last road trip, just kind of on the side about this. But he said it uh, in one of his press scrums here that it's almost like maybe big guys have to crouch down. Mm. You can't. And he was talking about the Zadorov yeah. hit on on Raymond and the Dylan hit on who did Brendan Dylan hit? Uh, it was. mumbling. blanking anyways
2: Achari yeah no chari against Noel, the Toronto Police chari.
5: that these you know until recently these weren't seen as as dirty hits but you you can't you can't hit players in in the head and it's now incumbent I think this is sort of the bottom line it's incumbent on the person doing the hitting to make sure that he doesn't contact and so uh, the head and so Talkett said you know maybe you have to crouch down like You know, lower your shoulder and make sure that that your shoulder is at the same level so that, uh, you you know, if you're six foot eight like Tyler Myers and you're hitting somebody who's six feet tall, like Alex Ayafalo. Right. That your elbow isn't going to be at his head level when he is crouched. So it's
2: kind of like football where you can't hit the quarterback in the head. Even if you're a bigger, guy is going to happen, so you got to adjust to it. And it's yeah. just kind of the way the rule is. It's tough, but yeah, I
5: do. I mean, I do sympathize with them, but this is the way the game is going, and I think it's the right idea to try to protect um, from try to get less head contact uh, mm-hmm. in the game. But I also think um, I can see both sides of it. I also think that players now, and and Raymond was a good example of this on the hit by Zadorov. They don't even look. Right. They, it doesn't even cross their mind that somebody That's might thing. that somebody might hit them. That's yeah. And I think there's always got somehow there's still got to be some accountability for for players not to put their head in a bad situation. You see it a lot where players now spin in the boards. Turn the numbers. It, it drives me and, wild. And it and they usually get that call. And Pionk got the call tonight on Hoglander. Yeah. But you know the the pl- those players bear a lot of that responsibility when you're turning your numbers to a guy just as he's just as he's closing but i think people do understand i don't think it's that complicated a concept that you can't hit players in the head anymore
2: uh, ian we'll have to end on that great stuff as always on the post game show I look forward to reading your latest on sportsnet.ca and chatting with you are you going to minnesota
5: i am not going to minnesota i'm driving to seattle okay. for the end of the road trip sounds good uh, i'll be watching on tv and talking to you guys from my home office.
2: So we'll call you at House McIntyre on uh, Monday afternoon after the Canucks take on the yeah, Wild in Minnesota. Yeah,
5: and I'll have lots of time. Yeah, plenty of time. Well, no deadline. I have a deadline. I just w- it won't be as whenever, early. Yeah, <laughs> whenever I need to talk to you, you guys.
2: Appreciate it very much. That's Ian McIntyre. Make sure to read his latest on Sportsnet.ca. He's Bik Nazar. Uh, make sure to check him out uh, on the post-game show and intermissions on Monday when the Canucks take on the Minnesota Wild. Thanks, Alina. At The rank, thanks to Eddie at the studio. Appreciate every single one of you texting and calling in and listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five orange. This has been
7: Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.